Welcome to the G3 Podcast. I'm here joined with Dr. Josh Bice, Dr. Scott Annual. I, I like using the doctor every once in a while. <laughs> it just switches things we up. We need to give you an honorary doctorate. <laughs> we got to do something. I don't know. Most of those people who now have honorary doctorates, they're a little dangerous. So yeah. I, don't, I don't really want to. I wanna... know an institution that gave Bill Rice's horse an honorary doctorate. Yeah. So that's so that, probably not a good thing. Yeah, that's not, that's not a good look. No. <laughs> no, I think we'll stay away from that. I'll just, I'll just be Virgil Walker and, and I'll stick with that. We're excited to join you for a G3 podcast. Uh, we've got a, a, a serious topic to unpack for you, uh, one that we hope is incredibly informative uh, for you as well. I'm going to really just uh, toss things over uh, to Josh and kind of have you unpack our topic for us. Just let us know a little bit about what we're going to talk about and then we'll go from there. Yeah, so yeah. we're going to be talking today about the subject of uh, abolishing abortion. And this is a critically important subject matter as we think about you know the current landscape. Here we are on the other side of the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we celebrated last year. It was a wonderful thing to see from a national level for this, you know, horrific thing, this horrific death industry yeah. in the United States of America to be pushed back. And But yet in many ways, it provides a lot of challenges mm -hmm. because once you move from a national law and then you hand it back into the individual state's responsibility to govern, what you end up with now is you end up with a whole lot of legislation that has to happen across the United States to once again abolish abortion, uh, you know, in total. Yeah. yeah. And so when you start thinking about that, you end up with all sorts of debates. You have liberal states versus conservative states, and then there are all of these various different things and layers to unpack. Yeah. So you have one state that would abolish abortion, and then you have another state that might provide you know, like sanctuary cities or even the uh, sanctuary state as a whole mm -hmm. to allow for women to fly there or travel across state lines to get an abortion. I remember growing up here in Georgia when I was a boy, there was a law that you could not sell fireworks. And the 4th of July mm -hmm. came and you know what we did? Yeah. We drove to the Alabama state line <laughs> right. and there were these massive you know, warehouses that right. were yep. established for the purpose of purchasing fireworks. Mm -hmm. Well, in many ways, that's where we are with abortion. Right. And this is a critically important issue. It's not an issue just for the civil sphere. Yep. I really believe it's a, it's an issue for the Church of Jesus Christ, and we need to talk about that today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's important to talk about as, as well from a standpoint of of, of understanding that landscape. Uh, when when the when the Dobbs decision was passed, I think many believers were excited, and rightly so. Uh, but what took place at that point was, I, I think many many thought it's over. Right. Right. Exactly. It, it's over. So 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 we've won. Uh, our side is won. And there's nothing else left to do. Uh, the reality is that there's a lot to do. Yeah. Uh, to the point you you just made, Josh, it's a it's now a state by state battle, um, and and so as a result of that, I think it's imperative that that we understand who's in that fight. Mm -hmm. uh, who, who are the who are the the elements in that battle? We definitely have those who are on the left who are, who are saying uh, you know they're, they're pro choice, uh, they're advocating for uh, the, the freedom of the mother to in in, in my estimation murder a child up and until the point of, of, of birth, mm -hmm. uh, and in some cases even after uh, after birth. And so you've got that that kind of contingent. Uh, in, in the middle of that, you, you have pro-lifers. And, and, and I say in the middle for a very uh, clear reason uh, that, that we'll talk about during during our time together. In the middle of that, you've got, you've got pro-lifers. And I think for the most part, uh, pro -li the pro-life movement 
has been a movement that desires to save babies. Uh, as well, they wanted to save mothers. Uh, we're going to talk about whether that's whether that's a good thing, a bad thing, uh, and the like. But but I, I think it's imperative to kind of define where we where we now stand uh, on this particular issue. And, and for us, uh, definitely for, for me, for quite some time, uh, I've really stood at the point of being an abolitionist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I recognize that that for different people that means different things. Uh, but I think it's important for us to define what is meant when we say, in particularly. Uh, that we are abolitionists. Uh, we want to promote uh, bills uh, that 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 uh, require the abolition of abortion. Uh, by abolitionist, what we mean is the total and immediate uh, abolition of abortion. Uh, and really, from a standpoint of of how that that plays out in in, in law, uh, abortion is murder, point blank. Period. Uh, and as such, it should be treated in the same manner that we would treat any murder uh, that we come into contact with uh, in, in, uh, you know, in, a, in a particular jurisdiction. And so it, it, is, for, it, it, is, a, it is a position that says th- no, no, no stop gaps, no, no you know, uh, saving this baby, not that baby. Uh, you know, we're going we're to provide incrementalist uh, ideas as far as the promotion of uh, or, the, or the ending of abortion. It's no, we, we, it needs to stop now. Uh, it, it is sinful. Abortion is a sin. Abortion is murder, uh, and it be, needs to be treated as such. I think these definitions are really important because I think a lot of people are just are ignorant of of the difference, for example, between abolition and pro life. Mm-hmm. And if you were to ask the average person, "Are you pro life?" they would say yes. And you ask them, "Do you want to abolish abortion?" they would say yes. Right. But they don't understand the dynamics. I mean, I until recent times was sort of here. Um, I. I I, I consider myself pretty informed. Right. I've always been against abortion, but until recently didn't understand or didn't even wasn't even aware of some of the more political dynamics between the pro-life movement and what it really means to abolish abortion. So I think yeah. these definitions and clarifying for people is really, really essential as we have goals towards getting rid ending of abortion, abortion, ending abortion. Right. A- absolutely. At, at the end of the day, what, what we're promoting is the equal protection of human life at the point of fertilization until the point of natural death. And so that's, that's what we're advocating. That's what we're pushing. What's interesting uh, is in this morning, uh, I think you sent this, this tweet, uh, they're already, uh, they, those who are in Congress, uh, democratic uh, uh, legislators are already pushing back the democratic whip, uh, Catherine Clark. Uh, Of course, her pronouns are she, her, I found that on her Twitter page. That's extremely important. Uh, From, from, uh, she's a representative in, in Maryland. She represents Maryland and D.C. is already uh, pushing back, trying to advocate uh, the abortion position. We want to take uh, give you an opportunity to take a look at this clip where she's advocating her position. When Roe v. Wade was overturned, the impact on Americans was swift and devastating. Women were denied health care. Doctors were threatened with criminal charges. Hospitals were forced to put their liability over patients' lives. And as the GOP doubled down on its plan for a national abortion ban, the American people saw it for what it was. Anti-woman, anti-choice, anti-family, and anti-freedom. So he, he, here's where you have already they're trying to push legislation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the House uh, to, to push back uh, against the Dobbs decision. 
Uh, they're, they're trying to legislate that abortion can happen from a federal standpoint right. all over again. Same thing they did with marriage. Exactly, yeah. exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And so it's imperative, one, that we're educated about these things, uh, and, and two, that we understand the position we're advocating and really rally believers, not to say, hey, we've won, the, the, you know, the, the, the fight is over, you know, let's, let's kind of rest on our laurels, but really uh, the battle is just beginning and yeah. it's going to be something that goes state to state. I wanted to get you guys, you know, she, she laid out anti-woman, anti-choice, anti-family, anti-freedom. And, and I'm thinking this is, this is unbelievable. It's interesting to me that as, as leaders like this, as representatives like this, get up and advocate for abortion, uh, that they do so not from the standpoint of the victim of a crime, they advocate this position from the position of the person who's perpetrated the crime, mm-hmm. right? The person who has advocated or pushed forward murder. There is no other circumstance or situation where where we would do that uh, in, in right. any way. So shape, laws or against uh, against theft are anti thievery. Right. 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 Laws against uh, laws against uh, uh, laws against rape. Well, that that's anti rapist. Right. Yeah. Are we kidding? Like th- right. that's yeah. how we should hear these things. Well, again, that's a great point because the law in and of itself does not. Uh, in many ways, it doesn't go after specific categories or individuals right. or groups or persons. It it actually holds everyone accountable equally. Right. And that's what it should do, right? So it's not criminalizing mothers. And by the way, mothers aren't victims. They're not the victims. Now, you might have certain cases you could make the argument where you have women who are sold off into, you know, the the sex trade, you know, prostitution and, and various other things. And you have a pimp that is forcing her to get an abortion so that she can be sold to to evil men. Mm -hmm. And so in those cases, you could say, yeah, there's some, you know, aspects of of this particular woman being a victim of of certain things, of injustice. But by and large, the average woman who drives up in some SUV at a Planned Parenthood abortion mill is not a victim. And, And the law does not you know, go after to criminalize women or mothers. That's not what the law is it, doing. It protects life. Absolutely. I think th- what's critical for us to remember biblically, and this goes to your point, Josh, about this not just being a civil thing, this is this is a, a biblical thing, is to remember why God instituted government in the first place. Right. I mean, the original institution of government in Genesis chapter 9 was to protect innocent life, yeah. to punish those the who kill doer. another human being. Yes. And so— you hear a representative like this who is not doing what God instituted government to do. Um, and so what, what we're essentially asking our laws and our government officials to do is to obey the institution of God. And I bring this up because sometimes I've heard people say, well, we live in a constitutional republic, and the way things are accomplished in our government and our governmental system is compromise. And so we compromise in these various areas. Well, hold on for a minute. Who cares how things work in our government? What we ought to care about is how God Absolutely. designed government to be. Absolutely. And frankly, God did not institute government to be involved in education right. or to be involved in health care or all of these other things that, that government has in. put their noses in. Right. I'm not against those things because I'm some sort of secular libertarian. I'm against those things because that's not what God designed government to be. Fundamentally, God designed government 
to protect human innocent life yeah. and to punish those who kill yeah. other human beings. I mean, almost every single sphere within our culture where you see the government, you know, engage, it's usually a disaster. Right. Yeah. And, and and that goes from you know the U.S. mail to education <laughs> to everything, right? Right. Just go stand at the DMV. Yeah, right. absolutely. <laughs> right. Right. So yeah. we certainly don't want to put the issue of life in the hands of the government when it comes to making a decision a, a, about whether we should be able to legally murder a baby. Yeah. I mean that's yeah. that's a tragedy. I, I have to go back to what what this this lawmaker said, uh, Catherine Clark. I, she, you know. Th- the, the law that would that would be in place that would protect innocent human life is anti-woman. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's I was looking at the statistics and what it says is approximately 70 percent of men are involved in some kind of the, 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 the crime of sexual assault. Let me start there. Mm. The crime of sexual assault uh, involve 70 percent of, of, you know, of those who are involved in that are men. Mm-hmm. So are laws that are on the books that stand against sexual assault, are they anti-men? Right. That's that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. We never start from the point of the person victimized. Right. Uh, it's 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 emblematic of the fact that, that w- what it what it really signifies is the fact that we've diminished human life to such a degree mm-hmm. that it's it, it really it's not even a speed bump in the road that yeah. causes us pause. Mm. Uh, we can just you know say whatever we want. It's anti woman. It's anti choice. It's anti family. It's anti freedom. Freedom to commit murder, yeah. that, that should never be well, the case. Well, then opposite. it might sound, uh, I was going to say, it might sound yeah. cliche, but it's not, just real quickly. Yeah. But what about the women who will never be born? Exactly. Right. It's anti yeah. them. Right. Well, I mean, again, you, you couldn't be any more anti family than killing your family. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, right. And, and that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And again, as we think about these very representatives here that are, you know, making these arguments, Virgil, um, if you were to go back just a few months and just look at their, their social media feed, what you will probably see is them, you know, advocating, you know, social justice and Black Lives Matter and all of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, what about justice for the preborn? Right. right. And what about justice for the black children that are being butchered mm-hmm. by abortion? Mm-hmm. Because if you really want to just get down to the brass tacks of the statistics, yeah. there's an awful lot of black babies that are being murdered in the abortion industry. And if we really do care for black lives, then we're going to Absolutely, stand against abortion. Absolutely, I mean, you you look at the you're talking about about the statistics. You, you're looking at a percentage of the population. Some some say blacks represent twelve to thirteen percent of the population. You cut that in half, male and female. It's about seven percent female. So what you have is a seven percent female population responsible for as 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 high as thirty eight percent of all abortions wow. that are taking place wow. in the country. That is that is that is mass massive genocide. Yeah. Uh, and, and we've got to pause and, and think about those things for all of the promotion of the issues around Black Lives Matter and, and you know, those lives that, that, that matter. None of these people are at an abortion clinic yeah. pushing back against the genocide that's happening. I've stood on the, on the sidewalk with my friend Bobby McCreary mm-hmm. and, and preached uh, at an abortion mill in Atlanta. And on the side of the brick wall was a, a, a little banner that said Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, black mothers are pulling in in their vehicles yep. and they're going in and murdering their babies. Yep. It's just abs- it, it, it's it's compl- it's backwards. It I mean, backwards. It's, the the logic doesn't even it doesn't even add up. I've I've used that language at an abortion mill. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I've been at an abortion mill, young, young black. And, and again, I was in at the time, Josh, I was in Omaha, Nebraska, where the, the population of blacks is minuscule. Right. right? Uh, the, the, the running joke is always that when my family moved there, we would double the minority population when we got there. <laughs> right. And so, you know, th- very, very few. But unfortunately, at the abortion mill, I saw a lot of black folk wow. uh, there at the abortion mill. And every time they would come in, I remember vividly this young girl who walked in. Uh, I, I, I asked her and her father, Do, does the black life in your womb matter? Because uh, if it does, you won't do this today. Uh, and and had a had a clear dialogue, and unfortunately that that p- particular incident ended mm-hmm. where where she made a decision to save the yeah. life by God's grace, yeah. uh, save the life uh, of the child. But but I wanted her in that moment, if she ever heard that mantra over and over again, to remember she made this decision mm-hmm. that she decided on that day that this black life did not matter yeah. to her. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, since the statement on social justice and the gospel was published, I've been asked on many occasion whether I believe that racism still exists in our nation. And I do believe it does. I just reject this idea that there's systemic racism from a, like a top, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of tier position that's holding back black people across the nation. Mm -hmm. I believe that racism is alive and well in this nation, Mm -hmm. individually speaking in certain, you know, homes, certain institutions, certain uh, individuals. Mm But if you want to see racism on display, look at the abortion industry. Absolutely. And Margaret Sanger was a racist. Absolutely. And if you think about that entire industry and what it initially existed for and what it in many ways still exists for today is because people— hated black people absolutely absolutely i mean she 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 pushed forward the negro project yeah. mm-hmm. right the whole point and purpose of that was to get unbelievably black pastors yeah. to speak to their church members yep. for the purpose of minimizing sizes of families uh the idea wow. that that black pastors would promote that idea is unbelievable and the first person uh that actually won the margaret sanger award was dr martin luther king mm-hmm. uh, so, so when you when you begin to think about that it, it shouldn't be shocking that uh, that black pastors, especially here in the state of Georgia, as we as we watch the midterm elections, were promoting th- that kind of death cult right. within the within the walls of the church. Uh, but that that was absolutely what was happening. It's it's unbelievably sad to to, to witness. Yeah. Really is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we think about this entire conversation, what's happening, the conversation that's happening across the nation, and as we continue to you know to drill down on these issues. We need to talk about the difference, and I think, Scott, you mentioned this at the beginning, but, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of talk about the difference between incrementalism Mm -hmm. and, you know, the full-on abolition of abortion. And so— Or even pro-life versus abolition. Absolutely. I think most people don't understand those are two different philosophies and positions. Yeah. So for me personally, for many years, I I considered myself to be like a struggling incrementalist. Mm -hmm. And so what I meant by that was that I could see— a lot of the positions by my brothers or sisters who consider themselves to be abolitionists, and I could see the value in some of their positions, but I looked at some of the tactics that they were employing, and and certainly I was turned off by that. Mm-hmm. Um, over the last couple of years, um, what I've really been doing in my own personal life is is applying the scriptures, not just looking at the inconsistencies of positions or the categories that, you know, the incrementalist position or the pro-life industry creates, but really just seeking to apply the Bible 
to this very issue and to these positions. And so where I've arrived personally is at a place where I can call myself an abolitionist, Mm -hmm. but at the very same time, I'm I'm not going to celebrate, you know, poor tactics Mm -hmm. by those within, you know, this sphere where we stand against abortion in the right. in, in the abortion industry. So, you know, as I think about the incrementalist position, for me personally, I felt like, you know, beyond the scriptures, which I think is our authority, obviously, but but just feeling like I'm standing on the the starting line for a marathon. And when the gun goes off, everyone else starts to run 26.2 miles, and then I get down immediately and start crawling. And it's like I feel like I'm never going to get there. Mm-hmm. And I want to I want to get to the finish line. I want to see abortion stopped. And I just don't feel like the incrementalist approach is ever going to get there. It's always going to be satisfied with just almost getting there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not good with that. Right. But I think you know most importantly to apply the the scriptures uh, in in Proverbs twenty verse ten it speaks about unequal weights and measures. Mm-hmm. And it says, unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. So if we think about that, um, the incrementalist position will oftentimes celebrate like a heartbeat law, like we have here in Georgia, and then say, well, I'm good with that. Okay, you know, it might not be enough, but I'm good with that. But the problem is with the heartbeat laws is that what you end up with is you end up with two categories of babies. One category of babies that are protected by law, and then another category of babies that are not protected by law and then given over to the murderous hearts of depraved individuals who can legally murder their babies. And then furthermore, with with the heartbeat law, what you're actually forced to do in many ways, I think, is you're you're forced to trust that a murderer is going to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. And so you just think about that. It's, it's critically important to think about this entire position. And so this is problematic when it comes to this conversation. We have to be applying, first and foremost, the Bible to the conversation, build our positions on the Word of God, and then practically work for solutions. And don't just sit back and just say, well, I'm just going to pray about it. Right. No, we have to get involved. Right. Yeah, I think I think two things have given me some clarity regarding the difference between pro-life and abolition, and especially with regard to the heartbeat laws. Uh, one, I think, was in conversations with you uh, recently and even several months ago, and that is the fact that, like, for example, in Georgia, we have a heartbeat law, and the pro-life movement pushed for something like that, and then they let off the brakes and, and you would think they would keep going, yeah. but they don't. And the question is why? Well, it's always follow the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? it's, it's definitely follow the money. That, that's, a, that's a critically important thing. And the other thing is, 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 um, is, uh, is, is what you just mentioned about— um, Just a second category. Equal, equal protection under the law, right. second category uh, sorts of, of issues, I, I think is really helpful yeah. uh, as well. And really, it, it, was the, it was the recent bill in Louisiana that ended up failing— where I was reading through some of that and gained some clarity about just the politics mm-hmm. yeah. behind what's going on yeah. uh, is, is really eye-opening. I think it's important in this conversation, Scott, to distinguish between, differentiate between uh, someone who says, I'm pro-life, and then the pro-life industry yes, or the movement, as you mentioned that's a moment good. ago. Yeah. Because just think about the language, pro-life. Well, it's it's a good thing to be for life. Absolutely. And I think all of us can agree with that. Right. right? 
But it's sort of like saying, well, I think that all black lives matter, but I'm not for the Black Lives Matter organization. Right. Right. And I think we need to differentiate between the two because I know abolitionists who are pro-life and they they still operate within the framework or under the banner of pro-life. In other words, they're for life, but they're not for the pro-life industry. Mm This is a real thing. It's a real industry. It brings in millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And as you referenced a moment ago, there was a bill that was put forth in Louisiana that they had the votes on. It was going to pass. It was for the total abolition of abortion. And suddenly, at the 11th hour, you have these powerful pro-life organizations that locked arms together and they wrote a letter to the legislators saying, do not support this bill. And so it it suddenly failed. Now you have to just stop and think about that for a moment. Mm -hmm. It was not the crazy people on the sidewalk with t-shirts to say, save the whales, holding signs that say abortion is women's health care. Right. Uh, that actually killed the bill. It was actually the pro-life industry that killed the bill. And so just doing a little reading uh, here recently, I uh, happened upon uh, the the National Right to Life organization's website. Mm -hmm. On the National Right to Life's organization's website, on the front page, there's a link to a letter that they actually wrote in May of 2022 And it was signed by some 70 or 72 different organizations. So this is not just the National Right to Life writing this. This is National Right to Life, uh, I think, named at the top Top. of the list. But then then they have all these other organizations that are, you know, standing with them. And it was actually uh, written to all of the legislators of the United States of America. And I just want to read to you a couple of things Uh, just a couple of paragraphs from that letter. It it states the following. Just listen to the language here. It says, quote, We will continue to oppose legislative and policy initiatives that criminalize women who seek abortions, and we will continue to work for initiatives that protect unborn children and policies that provide and strengthen life-affirming resources for abortion-vulnerable women. It continues, We call upon all pro-life legislators to stand with us. We ask you to continue to act with love and compassion toward abortion-vulnerable women. We urge you to reject any measure that seeks to criminalize women who have abortions, end quote. Think about the language there. Yeah. What this sounds like to me, I don't know what you hear when you hear that, but what I hear is I hear feminism repackaged with a nice little bow. (laughs) Let's care for the children Mm -hmm. and at the same time push a feminist agenda. Right. It's a tragedy. Right. It's an outright tragedy. Again, just the language of criminalizing women. The law does not criminalize women. Right. It doesn't criminalize any category of human being. It prosecutes murderers. Absolutely. And so if someone's a murderer, then they are to be held accountable according to the law. Absolutely. So if you abolish abortion in the state of, let's say, Georgia, and then there's an abortionist who actually, uh, you know, provides abortions for women who who come to them in secret and they're busted for it, Mm -hmm. then the law is not criminalizing a doctor. 
It's actually holding a doctor accountable according to the law. Right. So we have to understand the way that these these organizations employ language. Yes. This is yes. this is critically yes. important. Yes. Right. There is a movement, there is an agenda here, and it's backed by millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yes. So the church needs to be, you know, aware of this. We need to stand together, band together, support one another and and stand for equal protection for the preborn. I think I think what you what you did in, in, in just in that segment was in critically important in a number of ways. I think you, you started the conversation I, I wrote down notes talking about from a standpoint of the issue of abolition uh you wanted to make distinctions about poor methodology poor tactics that you felt like weren't in line with with what you hold ideologically right here's where we stand we we have not it's not just an ideology there's a theological framework that underpins everything that 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 you're wanting to do in that in that space but while while holding that position and perhaps even taking on a label we can we can identify what we reject, uh, the actions that we reject, uh, and the like. You had uh, you had uh, Trump just a, w- a week ago or so, a couple of weeks ago, who had a, had a tweet that that we had to reject. Mm-hmm. Uh, while while you know we, we may stand on on a conservative uh, from a conservative standpoint, we want to conserve uh, biblical uh, worldview. We want to conserve biblical ideas. Uh, you know, and 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 Trump's out there for the most part, having supported the pro life position. Mm-hmm. But yet he did so in a way that violates a biblical standard. Right. And we had to speak out against that. Right. Uh, and, and then with regard to uh, with regard to the to 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 the, to the bills, even in the pro-life movement, there are there are folks who stand with us, who agree with us, who are for the abolition of abortion. But when they don't. And when, when you get things like this from the national you know, right to pro-life or what have you, national right to life organizations, we have to be clear about where they miss it and what we as believers in Christ need to do about yeah. it. Yeah. The scripture says in Isaiah 520, it says, woe to those who call evil good and good mm-hmm. evil. And that's exactly what this letter does, is it actually calls the good prosecution of murderers evil. Mm-hmm. And it says, don't stand you know, with policies that, that promote that that sort of thing. In other words, holding a murderer accountable according to the law. But but it goes it goes back to what you said earlier, Josh, which is we've changed the language. And so abortion is something very the, the word abortion, it's kind of like an affair. Yeah. Right? You you, you know some, someone had an affair. Yep. Well that, right. that that that, that, Soften like, that it. softens yeah. it. And and the word abortion does well, the same thing. Well now the new thing is just end the pregnancy. Right. You're, you're just choosing to end a pregnancy. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, abort at least has the idea of you're aborting something, sure. right? Uh, it's murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but they'll say now, well, you know, uh, it's a it's a it's a woman's right to be able to choose if she wants to end her pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just it's tragic language. Yeah. But you mentioned methodologies. We're against poor methodologies in the pro life industry. Mm-hmm. We're against poor methodologies within the abolitionist movement as sure. well. Right, right. And, and if you just think about this, I mean, I know Virgil, you had some time where you you know, would, would go to abortion mills and, mm-hmm. and open air preach yep. and, and you would try to protect the preborn. Yep. But there have been organizations that fly under the banner of, you know, the abolitionist sure. movement, yeah. but they've given it a bad name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I can just think back to say G3 a, a number of years back, um, you know, we had a, a specific abolitionist organization, which will go unnamed here, (laughs) um, that showed up on the sidewalk, in fact, came inside the building and was passing out literature. And, you know, of course, 
uh, our security team asked them to to leave. They didn't have you know credentials the, to be in. Yeah, they yep. did. They, it just wasn't approved and that sort of thing. They had not gone through the proper process to get something like that passed out, and so they went out to the sidewalk and they started protesting G three, mm-hmm. and then they published videos protesting G three. Well, the reality is uh, we stand against abortion, Mm -hmm. but the fact is there are certain really poor methodologies and tactics that are employed, like going into church services and just disrupting worship services because this organization believes that that pastor has not been firm enough on the issue. Well, there's a right way and there's a lot of wrong ways to do what we choose yeah, to do, yeah. and that's certainly not something yeah, we should I, celebrate. Th- th- some some of those some of those methodologies a cause you pause, and and b really uh, work against right. uh, having someone like you come alongside and saying, "Yes, I'm for, I'm with, let's let's do this." And right. and so it's it's been great though over the course of the last maybe year and a half, two years, uh, to be able to to partner with some of those organizations uh, that were doing things a specific way and maybe are, have changed uh, some some of the tactics that they're beginning uh, to employ. And and you know we're excited. We want to partner where it makes sense, uh, but we, we won't back down or bow down when we see something wrong uh, to call it out, uh, say what it is, and say why we don't stand in, in, yeah. in that way. Yeah. This is a good segue to I, I, some things I wanted to talk about in terms of uh, challenges to the to the abolitionist position and and some questions too. Uh, before we do that, speaking of G3 National Conference, you want to talk at yeah. all about the one that's coming up this year? Yeah, definitely. In fact, every time we come, we gather, uh, I think about the fact that the conversation that we're having uh, really aims itself, really, really kind of phrases, frames itself uh, against a couple of things. One is either A, for Christians, uh, a lack of, of, of clarity on the sufficiency of Scripture, or B, overall with culture, uh, it's an absolute onward attack against the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when we witness that and recognize that, I think it's imperative that people join us in September, as we gather September 21st through the 23rd here in Atlanta for our national G3 conference, uh, you'll want to be there. You'll want to get informed. You'll want to get educated. You'll want to be equipped. You'll want to be encouraged uh, to be a part of what's happening there so that so you'll be able to go back to where you are, the locales, the states, the cities, the local churches where you are uh, and be engaged in culture. Uh, more times than not, what I find is that as Christians, we're, we're often reacting to what happening. And and it's really time for for us to know our God, to know what the Word of God says, to know that He is indeed sovereign, and then go be active where God has planted us. And so you're going to be blessed when you come uh, to the G3 National Conference, September 21st through the 23rd. You can go to uh, g3men.org to register. Don't you dare miss it. So they'll want to be a part of it. Yeah, if you miss it, you have to wait two years. Yeah, you don't want to wait two years. It's every other year (laughs) for the national conference, and so we've got some really big plans in place. Uh, Again, it's a a conference not just for pastors. Mm -hmm. It's a conference for the whole church. Yes. And so we see families coming every year. We have some really cool things planned for the children this year as well, so we look forward to that. It's going to be great. It'll be great. So, um, you know, I... the. There are, there are questions that people sometimes have, and I think this is important. This gets to what you were talking about earlier, Josh, with some of the tactics of some abolitionists in the, in, in the past. Part of the problem with that is we've got to educate people. There are yeah. people who they, they don't know any better. They don't know the differences between, you know, or the political issues involved. And that's that's one of the main purposes of this episode is to, is to clarify things and help educate people. So we've addressed some of these along the way. 
But I think I think offering some really straightforward clarity uh, during this segment is going to be helpful. So, for example, we've addressed this a couple times, but I think we should put a bow on it about whether or not these abolitionist bills will will punish the very small minority, but those that exist, of mothers who have been forced against their will uh, uh, sort of idea. And we've already addressed this, right? Mm -hmm. These bills, uh, there's still due process with these bills, right? Right. So if an abortion occurs and in a state where where abortion is abolished, there's still going to be due process. Absolutely, It's not going to be... The, the woman gets carted off to a guillotine the minute she has an abortion. No, there's going to be due process. Right. Uh, there's going to be investigation. Yep. And, and, and that's, that's always the protection. So there's protection of the actual victims, sure. the preborn babies. But then, as is true in our country, and praise God for it, uh, there's, there's the due process that will take place to determine whether or not what, what crimes have been committed and who has committed in, them. In the instance of any situation where there's murder, there's due That's exactly right. process. That's right. 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 There's due process. It's, it's not. It's, it's not the assumption of guilt. Right. Right. It's the assumption of innocence right. uh, until it's proven beyond the shadow of a doubt that there's that that there's there's actually a someone who's guilty yeah. of, of committing a crime. So this is not a situation where 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 you know those who oppose abortion can't wait to find this this nebulous person out there who's who's had an abortion so that so that uh, that they can prosecute them and, and have right. a chink in their belt. Right. Yeah. Uh, more importantly, what this is about is <clears throat> standing on what we claim we believe. Mm-hmm. If we claim that we believe that at, at the moment of conception, that that is a human being created in the image of God, they, like you and I, deserve equal protection yeah. under the law. Yeah. Uh, and, and as a result of that, the, the greatest amount of care, what should take place because of these bills is in our society, the greatest amount of care, concern, and compassion should be for the protection of the innocent human life right. that is in the womb. Yeah. That should be primarily important. But because we, we live in a culture that has bowed the knee at the altar of convenience mm-hmm. for the purpose of ending human life, mm-hmm. what, we've, what we've put at the forefront is the mother and, and what's going to happen to her and how she going to be treated. Well, she, she should be fine if in, in the in the way that God has created her she is all about the protection of the human life mm-hmm. that is in her womb yeah. period yeah. that's it yeah when you think about the law I think oftentimes we <coughs> we have this this mindset that you know our our system is broken you know and we we come to this idea well you know there all these people are being you know falsely prosecuted and they're spending time in jail. They shouldn't be there. And so we do hear about, you know, things that happen sometimes, and it's a tragedy when it does, when the system actually gets it wrong. But the reality is, is we have a very robust justice system. Right. And there's appellate courts, there's opportunities to appeal, there's opportunities to to really just put under the microscope all of the evidence Mm -hmm. and allow you know, the, the due process to play its way out. And, and again, you know, you have to also think about the way that these laws are written. I mean, we have the opportunity to say, well, you know, you have some that will say, well, you know, what happens now if we abolish abortion and we uh, allow for women to be prosecuted for having an abortion? Now, what happens to all of these women that are on the books right. at all these abortion right. bills? Are, th- are they going to be prosecuted? There's all sorts of ways to grandfather things in sure. under you know previous laws right, and things right. of that nature. 
But the reality is, is like you mentioned earlier, Scott, in this conversation, is that if we as Christians look at God's Word, and specifically Romans 13, Mm -hmm. you're going to see that God has instituted our government to actually protect the innocent and to punish the evildoer. Yes. So if you're you're innocent, you shouldn't have anything to fear, Right. right? right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, the fact of the matter is there are a lot more people in our country who commit crimes who are not prosecuted because of some sort of technicality right. mm-hmm. than vice versa. That's right. right. And you hear about the tragedies because they're so rare. Yep. Right. Because we actually do have a pretty pretty robust system. That That's really helpful. The other thing w- w- in line with this, you know, any other case of murder, you you never hear about the, well, what about the, the murderer first, right? right. Yeah. There, there's always a focus on the person murdered first. Right. Right, and that should be the case with with preborn murders as well. Mm-hmm. Um, another another common sort of question that comes up, and I think this is it's a good question. It's one it's one to think through, um, but I think there's there's answers to it. And and it, it, uh, Josh, you recently wrote an article on on abolition that was excellent. And there there was one statement in there that I want to like you know get your get your feedback on and maybe flesh it out. Uh, and it gets to this discussion of heartbeat laws that we already addressed a little bit. But again, some some bow tying clarity here. Oh, you said bow tie. Bow tie. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, Virgil has BB one go through his mind. Contextualizing. Okay, for got, you, I got you. Got yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, good good so, looking out. Good yeah, looking yeah. out. <laughs> so, uh, so Josh, you made the statement in the article. If you live in a state where a heartbeat law has been passed, I would urge you not to support that law and to work to abolish abortion completely. So yeah. the common response to something like that would be, well, aren't we saving some lives? We might not be satisfied, but isn't that good? So how yeah. can you flesh that out a little bit and offer some clarity there? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I, I'm speaking for me personally and my personal position and what I see according to God's Word when we think about Proverbs 20, verse 10, unequal weights and, mm-hmm. and unequal measures are an abomination to the Lord. And I think that um, where I've come to see and, and to stand personally is to say, you know, I'm not going to be for a law that's going to only save some babies and then turn other babies over to murderous individuals. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's problems there. And I, and I think that when you start to apply the Word of God, not just emotion, not, not, not just rhetoric, but apply the Word of God to these issues— Christians start to sort of see, oh, I see it now. Because I think a lot of times what we do in the church is we think, okay, like with Roe v. Wade being overturned last year, it's like, okay, fine, we've won the victory, finally. Actually, that was just the very beginning of something really nasty, and it's just going to get worse. With the heartbeat law, it it almost Mm -hmm. puts a cap on it and says, okay, you can't really get to the end of the finish line of a marathon. You have to stop it like, you know, mile 20. Yeah. You can run, I mean, you're going to start a, a marathon, which is 26.2 miles, but you're going to now be forced to stop at mile 20. You can't really get to the finish line. Yeah. And I feel like that's just holding the church back. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say in, in, you know, if you, if you, if you want to look at it from one direction, you might say, well, I'm not going to support that law. But if God in his providence allows for a liberal state to pass a heartbeat bill into law and it saves one life, well, then I can say, you know, God, I'm grateful, you, you know, for the sure. fact that it saved a life. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to celebrate that. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pushing well beyond a heartbeat law right. to the very finish line, which is the complete 
abolition yeah. of abortion. I think something you said earlier is really important to remember, too. Even from the question, aren't we saving some lives? Well, we're, what we're saying is we are trusting an unbelieving abortion doctor to be honest right. that this baby does not ha- yet yep. have a heartbeat. Right. And how many times has probably a doctor sort of just looked the other way or unplugged the heartbeat monitor and just made a pronouncement, no, how, this baby doesn't have a heartbeat, and then killed the baby. How many times have pagan, unconverted doctors encouraged a mother to abort their baby because the baby had Down syndrome? Right. Yeah. And right. then the baby was born without Down yep. syndrome. Right. Okay. Well, let's just say if the baby was born with Down syndrome, yeah. it would be fine. It's a human life. Praise Absolutely. Be God. Yeah. Right. But again, we see that pagan doctors oftentimes will give counsel that is absolutely unbiblical, right, right. and we have to be cautious about that. So you take a you take an, a, a murderous doctor that's legally given the right to murder babies, and you're going to say, "Please don't tell me a little lie." Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Well, I, I can promise you that they're going to yep. do it, and it's it's a tragedy. And so we just need to stand against this. But again, not just applying these categories yep. or rhetoric uh, to the issue, but but first and foremost, applying Scripture to the conversation yeah. is critically important. Add to it, uh, 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 Josh, that what it does in the mind of even believers— uh, advocating for heartbeat bills, advocating yeah. for half measures. Yeah. What that does is it sets up two categories of human beings, uh, and it does over time. While while we wouldn't we wouldn't say it that way, that's actually how things get played out. Right. Our thought begins to be, well, it's okay in these instances. Well, well, abortion is okay in the instance that we don't have a heartbeat because it's not fully human yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think that psychologically, we think that philosophically, we, 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 we articulate that even ideologically, especially when, when, when it comes to the issue of rape, incest, and, and, and the like. We, we set up these categories to say, well, we can treat a human being differently in the instances where where we don't have that that heartbeat bill, or where we don't yeah. have a, a particular law that says uh, that 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 protection should be in place, yeah. wherever that's not in play, then 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 it's okay. Yeah. Absolutely, Virgil. And then to the question, Scott. You know, again, Isaiah five twenty. Woe to those who call evil good, mm-hmm. and good evil. Mm-hmm. So let's just think about that. Apply apply that text from Isaiah five twenty <laughs> to a heartbeat law. Yeah. And I think right at that moment, a Christian just just cannot celebrate that. Yeah. Can't say that the evil part of this aspect, that a true baby where a heartbeat is not detected yet can be murdered, we can't call that good. That's evil. That's right. And so yeah. for, for, for those very reasons, I can't yeah. support those things. Well, that's helpful. And, and, and too, like I said earlier, we have to remember what, you know, people who say, well, this is how, this is how our government works. We've got to work through the system. Well, no, there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Our ultimate authority is not the legislative system. Mm -hmm. Our ultimate authority is the Word of God. The final question I thought we needed to address, you mentioned this a moment ago. It should be clear, but I think there's a lot of Christians who have a bad position on this and a lot of lack of clarity, and that is, should there be exceptions for rape and incest? Right, right. That you hear that. Yeah. It's put into resolutions of large conservative, quote-unquote, Baptist denominations, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and and yet, we're still talking about human 
life. Absolutely. So, right? Yeah, there, there's never a situation where where we punish the the vic, uh, where we punish a child, a baby for the for the actions of, of the father. Right. Uh, there's never a, a situation where you're going to punish uh, innocent human life uh, based upon the actions of of, of someone else. Right. Uh, that's not how that's done. And right. and as a result, even in the instance of incest and rape, right. uh, the child's committed no no sin right. worthy of death. Yeah. Uh, the father has. Yeah. Uh, and 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 as a result, we should find him and and adjudicate him to the fullest extent of the law. Mm-hmm. What abortion does is it actually lets those people off yeah it, it allows them to go free it allows them to be unpunished uh, as a result so those who are advocating for abortion are actually helping the rapist they're actually and encourages it happen more they're actually helping right. the, the the person who's in an, in, in an incestual relationship because there's no level of accountability right. um, there the, the the situation for the mother in that instance whether it's incest or rape that's horrific absolutely uh, and 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 the church should gather around that that woman and and help her and assist her. Uh, there are the the other argument in that that I hear is often well if, if if she you know gives birth to the baby she'll have to look at the face of the baby and it'll remind her of the rapist for the rest of her life. Well, killing that baby is not going to erase the rape that took place. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'll still remember the act that took place. She'll still remember the action. And, and, and then in addition to the rape, she's now found guilty of committing murder right. uh, yeah. on the life of an innocent human being. When we look into the face of a human being, we should not think, I first and foremost see the face of the, of the human father. Right. We should see first and foremost that every human being is created in the image and likeness right. of God. Absolutely. Right. And so we have to have that as as the foundation of this conversation, absolutely, absolutely. But I I think those are those are at, at the end of the day, it goes back to the original question that we all had to ask ourselves when it came to the issue of abolition, uh, when it came, when it comes to the you know whether or not we're gonna we're gonna advocate uh, for equal protection for every human being mm-hmm. at the point of fertilization, and that question is, is the the fertilized egg. Uh, a, a human being, the f- mm-hmm. fertilized egg of, 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 a, of a man and a woman who, who, who've come together uh, and, and, and married uh, and come together uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, and began to have, have, have a baby. What is that? Is that a human life? Is it something else? Is it not? Is it a clump of cells? Uh, is it is it you know just uh, you know something something different than than human life? And if we believe and agree that that is indeed human life. There's a particular way in which we need to function right. and operate and yeah. respond. And God's word says it's a human life. Right. You know, Psalm 139, the psalmist talks about God knitting us mm-hmm. in our mother's womb, mm-hmm. that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. So it is God who is the source of life, and we need to take that seriously. And so the distinction also needs to be made in this conversation between killing and murder. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, the Bible doesn't say. Uh, thou shalt not kill. Uh, if you if you interpret the scripture properly, yep. it speaks about murder. Right. And in, in fact, you can go to Ecclesiastes and you can see where Solomon, in his wisdom, states that there is a time for everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. And and one of those things he mentions is a time to kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there is you know uh, a biblical you know category for. A, a justifiable killing of or taking of human life. I believe that, but the intentional desire to to murder a human being, which is the very category that we're talking about today, which is abortion, is in the category of murder. Right, and we should not support it. We can't support it. 
But I think one of the, you know, I think critical aspects that I want to press as we come to the close of this conversation today is that oftentimes individuals will hear us talk about this subject the way that we've talked about this subject today and will immediately say, you know, you just sound so judgmental. Mm -hmm. And now what are you going to do with these women in your church that have certainly had abortions? Mm -hmm. And, you know, how are you going to how are you going to speak to these ladies? How are you going to stand in the pulpit and preach to these ladies who have actually had abortions? Are you going to just continue to beat them over the head with the Word of God and, and make them just live a life of guilt and shame? I mean, how are you going to minister to them? And I, and I say, quite simply, I'm going to minister to them the way that the Bible teaches us to minister to them and to every other sinner that's sitting that's in right. the church yeah. is to preach the gospel and apply the gospel to them, look into their faces with with love and compassion and recognize that according to God's word, that there is therefore now no condemnation Amen, for right. those who are yeah, in Christ thank Jesus. Thank God. So we have hope in Christ, yeah. right? And that goes for the man who commits adultery. It goes for the woman who commits murder. It goes for, you know, David who committed adultery with Bathsheba. I mean, it goes for, you, you can go on and on and on through the categories of Scripture, and you can see that there is hope in Christ, yeah, right. and we stand on the gospel of Jesus. It's, it's at the point that the gospel is applied that you begin to see hearts reconciled both to God and to others. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's it's when the when the word of God is is unfiltered, preached clearly that you begin to see this I, for, for a, a while. When I was in, you know, in Omaha engaged in this kind of ministry and folks knew about it, I would have you know, a grown men take me out to coffee and say, man, I've watched you out there. I've, I've seen you uh, at the abortion mill and, and, and have, have since followed the people that you're following who are speaking about this issue and, and who are speaking about it plainly and clearly from a position of, of, of taking the gospel and putting it into conflict with the issue of abortion. Uh, as a result of that, they, they said, I, I just want to tell you something. You know, when I was 18, um, I had this situation with this girl and, you know, I encouraged her to have an abortion and, and, and they're confessing and weeping. These are 40, 50 and, and at times 60 year old men mm-hmm. who have never had this conversation at all, who are now able to, to say, I, I, I now see the word of God has come in, into my life, into my heart. I understand. I'm clear. I know that what I did was, was sin and, and, and I, w- I want to make that right. And, and for them, they said, I, how, how can I support? How can I, yeah. how can I get engaged in what the issues are? If you, if you uh, never call sin, sin, there's not an opportunity for repentance right. and the gospel is rendered worthless. Yeah, and once, once God has forgiven you, you do not have to go and continuously just go back to, to that sin and just you know, feel the burden and the shame of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christ has taken it. He has right. paid for it in full mm-hmm. in his sacrificial death. And so it would be improper for us right. or for anyone, for that matter, on any, you know, sin category, if you will, to go back and continuously allow the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, to continuously place a burden of sin upon us that has now already been placed on Christ right. and has been atoned for. That's yeah. the beauty of the gospel, Amen. man. Yeah. That's Amen. the beauty of the gospel. Yeah, that that that's a great note to wrap on. Uh, excited about our conversation. I'm hopeful uh, that you found this conversation helpful. Uh, as you think about, as we push the issue of, of abortion forward, as it now becomes a state's rights issue, as it should have been, 
for 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 quite some time. I think Roe v. Wade was a, was poor uh, a poor decision by the Supreme Court. This should have always been something that was that was dealt with uh, in in the states. Now we have that opportunity, and it's imperative uh, that that we're armed and ready to engage in in, in, in what's coming. How do we do that? Yeah, I, I think I think a number of ways. One, you know, listening to things like this, uh, being equipped, finding out if there's if there are groups who are in your area that are talking to legislators. If you're wanting to push forward an equal protection bill, uh, you, you know, definitely connect in, in those kinds of ways. Uh, I think there's there there are things that you could do at, at an abortion mill. Uh, that's probably one of the first things I did uh, when I when I got up to speed on this issue was I looked for people who were doing what I wanted to do in my area. The problem w- with that, and, and I'm, I'm sure this is why you asked the question, is very few people are actually doing those kinds of things. Uh, it's it's rare to find. It's difficult to find. As we think about you know standing against abortion in our own states, individually speaking. Um, what are some simple ways that you know the average Christian listening to this podcast could engage this conversation with their representatives? What yeah. would you encourage them to do? Yeah, I, I would encourage them to, to 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 write to call. Call is good. Writing's better. Uh, and if you know someone who's in the legislature, where you can go and have a have a they, those legislators work for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that your your tax dollars are, are paying them, so they work for you. You need to make an appointment. You need to go by and see them and find out who who's promoting, who's who's pushing forward legislation that is that is advocating a abolition and 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 doing so by forwarding the idea yeah. of of you know equal protection under yeah. the law. And, and again, an email is not going to be enough. Mm-mm. So don't just you know trust an email. Do do send the email. Yeah, but, but don't that ain't just, enough. Yeah, exactly. So you need to be having conversations. Yeah. Then again, if you're a pastor, I would just encourage if you're a pastor to just, you know, write a letter to your church. Uh, oh, that's good. And just just catalog, you know, various different ways that you can contact your own representatives and that you can uh, have these conversations in a helpful way that honors the Lord and that stands upon the Word of God faithfully and then stands for the equal protection of the preborn. Yeah. I think that this is critically important. Pastors need to get involved. You can't just preach the gospel and not get engaged in this. I think that we need to be engaged because this is a, this is a matter of literally life mm-hmm. and murder. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, as, as, as we wrap here, I'm going to do once again, invite you uh, to come join us September 21st through the 23rd uh, here in Atlanta for the national G3 conference, the 2023 G3 conference. It's on the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. Again, it's going to equip you. It's going to educate you. You're going to be helped uh, by being there. A lot of things that are, are planned. Continue to check out the website uh, for updates, for speaker updates, for different uh, programs that we'll have going on, pre-conference, post-conference, all kinds of conference stuff related. Check it out at g3men.org. Register today. Anything yeah. else you got? Yeah, we want to always encourage you to check out the G3 Church Network. Network. Uh, if your church is not involved yet, this is a wonderful way to partner with like-minded churches and church planting, encouragement to the churches, mm-hmm. encouragement uh, to pastors. I, I always enjoy being in a church that's one of our G3 Church yeah. Network churches. Yeah. Uh, we hear about people joining churches by finding them on yes. the G3 Church Network map. And so check that out at g3men.org as well. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the G3 Podcast. Like, subscribe, share, tell everybody about the podcast. Thanks for joining us.